0: Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> it's Jason Powers again. Decided to do a outdoor broadcast because I felt, uh, you know, I need to walk around a little bit. Yeah, it's always nice to be outside, even it's fairly nice. It's probably around 30 or 35 degrees, and uh, kind of a kind of an interesting... I'm going to try to make this an interesting discussion. So I've been... As I've mentioned probably before, uh, I've been reviewing uh, William L. Shire's The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. And I just completed a... uh, Basically a chapter on... uh, Right up to when uh, uh, Hitler became uh, the Chancellor. Um, What's interesting, and, and of course... Uh, echoes of time, always you can learn something from history, is all the double dealing and uh, backstabbing and positioning. And of course, 1932, there was uh, numerous elections and intrigues. Uh, there were uh, several characters that came onto the stage, uh, Poppin', uh, Pepin', can't Gam- Exactly pronounce his name, um, but, because uh, <clears throat> I haven't heard it. And, um, a uh, guy named, um, Von, um, let's see, uh, uh, Schlitzer, um, a military guy. And then the other guy was kind of a clown, but he was a uh, deceptively sneaky and backstabbing kind of clown. Um, very good at, um, uh, he didn't, wasn't liked by anybody. It it kept on winding up, you know, in the chancellorship, and then he got kicked out. And then he started doing side deals with Hitler so that he could uh, be a part of the cabinetry. He was, uh, he was at Nuremberg, so obviously he lasted uh, amongst other people who didn't uh, during this time frame. <clears throat> Hindenburg's uh, son, Oscar, uh, sold out the country uh for a land deal a couple years after uh the deal was brokered probably at least um that's intimated. there's no obviously direct evidence because there was no direct recording of the conversation uh, that oscar von hindenburg and uh uh, adolf had but uh hindenburg's uh son who was a colonel in the army at the time uh, would uh, rise to a major general in the Nazi regime. So... And he got a... a secured about 5,000 acres of uh, tax-free land uh, from the Junkers um, estates a few years later, a couple years later. And why is this necessary to recount? It just shows that... that people who are supposedly in some kind of position of authority, will gladly sell out their country and uh, give in to extremism. Because the story, I mean, it goes back many years, but during the, the Weimar Republic, from the, from the basically uh, the very end of World War I till that point in 1933 when Hitler took over. And Hitler had been arrested and did time in jail for trying to overthrow the com- government. And yet he kept on, you know, the Nazi extremism rose. The middle class, one thing the things that uh, Shire points out is that there was a destruction of the middle class. And of course, after years of distress and distrust, uh, there was a, you know, an apathy that built an amount of stress and a lack of, uh, you know, with the Great Depression that destroyed their final will, probably. I mean, the Nazis at at that particular point had only gotten 37% of the population to agree with them. So there was a more than a healthy majority that were against uh, the overreaches of the the regime, the radicalism. And I'm only in this idea about nationalism and globalism the nationalism of, of the time was just uh, uh, driven by the fact that there were so many forces who were trying to uh, put together culturally disparate characters. And of course, you always have the ruling class who are uh, pitting people against each other. They're, they are responsible for all of this problem. Same way it is today. The, the reason why we have a... Uh, a a circumstance right now where you have uh, uh, Ukrainian and Russian forces which of course Ukraine we know the history there is not uh, hasn't been pleasant never has been pleasant and um, the Russians uh, were antagonized into this position whether you agree agree that, that idea or not they were because after the fall of the you know, Soviet Union, there were uh, agreements and promises made that there would be no further advance to the east. So when you do that through NATO, through adding all these extra countries, and then you keep on dangling NATO membership to Ukraine, and of course they don't want the they didn't want they don't want armaments, they don't want NATO on their uh, uh, back door. You're not to, or front door. If you want to really get technical, you're never going to get peace. We we insisted upon this. The U.S. government, neocons in particular, those fucking neocons, by the way. The neocons always get get involved in this stuff. Uh, or as they're called now, the, uh, I mean, there's uh, uh, Leo Strauss or the Straussians, and they, they have, they've they wrecked our foreign policy for the last 30 years while the Democrats have wrecked our um, domestic policy, and I will toggle to that in a second. It's just... Uh, uh, another thing, by the way, is that the communist. <laughs> They have themselves to blame for the rise of Hitler, too. So, more than once, they they called for a dissolution of... Uh, they dissolved the government at one point, and uh, the Nazis aligned with them. Which actually uh, pissed off some of the Nazis for even agreeing with these people. But, uh, you know... That being said, Hitler didn't care. He didn't care who he made deals with as long as he got power out of it. <coughs> Sorry, in in the end result, he he um he exploited their he exploited their stupidity because the communists were uh, attacking the social democrats of the day, um, and they had their own agenda, believe it or not, and uh, they were trying to do things to uh, they they were doing as much destruction. Uh, to the underpinnings of the society, they, you know, they were, you know, corporate fascism as they, as they positioned themselves, and uh, they were uh, doing just as much damage as the Nazis were uh, during the period from 1930 to 32, albeit not as uh, politically successful. I mean, granted, they actually did gain some seats in the in the Reichstag and the in the whole parliamentary deal. Funny thing to re- realize is Goring was the first Nazi to be put into any position of authority. He was he was made president of the parliament. Uh matter of fact he was a key player. He was a key player in nineteen thirty two to getting uh the boot of Nazism inside the inside the government, at least in a substantial way. I mean they were obviously seats in parliament, but in terms of having a leadership authority and being positioned just right, he actually had a lot to do with the dissolution of government. And uh, it, uh, he played a key role in uh, kind of uh, <laughs> pushing a, a agenda based upon the communist. Uh, but when it served him right, because he was in the right role, he ignored emotion and ignore uh, uh, authority. One of the things about um, parliamentary procedure, and also people who have agendas, is that uh, when you're given uh, two conflicting commands or two conflicting orders, which one, which order do you take? Well, that makes a big deal. Many times you find people who will stall and not do either one. But for those who are of a certain mindset, they will gladly pick whatever one uh, will serve their purposes and ignore the other one, even though it may be the more legitimate order. Then it becomes a, a more legitimate uh, political or legal process. But then again, when you're dealing with chaotic uh, situations as such as what was going on then, you'll have that, and of course that's that's where you get the rise of dictatorships and people who have no good uh good end for the for the republic it's all about power of course but uh it's a it was a very i mean i've been reading uh, this for a while but uh it, it uh the last 40 pages i've read were very uh insightful in terms of all the characters that were involved and all the intrigues and double crossings and secret meetings and uh, titling and getting people in certain positions, of course, and getting, you know, obviously Hitler was an Austrian. He, uh, he had, as a matter of fact, until he was, he was made some kind of low-level minister or some kind of thing in 1932, before he could run for uh, chancellor or run for a power position, of course, he had to, you know, confirm his German you know be listed as a German citizen so he was made like an attache to Prussia or something along that lines uh, kind of a backdoor way to to give him uh, give him legitimacy of course that was arranged and you know there is this is this goes to of course having a foreign born or a foreign outsider getting involved in your politics this has happened in the united states politics of course recently uh whether you believe brock or other people mccain was technically not born in the united states i think he was born in guam or puerto Rico. he was born in a territory or near a maritime area not so, i'm just just pointing that out i don't i don't i have to dig into the details there but uh the idea is, is you have people who are disloyal to, you know, the foundations of a, of a country, and they shouldn't be allowed to move up and, I don't care how good their rhetoric is. Actions, not rhetoric, make a difference, but of course, explaining that to certain people who, who want to say, well, you're just not being liberal enough, or you're not being, uh, you're, you're thinking of things the wrong way. No, I'm not thinking of things the wrong way. There's been numerous and numerous and numerous examples of people who have rose up to uh, put in very authoritarian regimes and downright evil regimes who weren't, uh, they weren't worthy of the position, obviously, but they were, <laughs> they were never qualified to begin with. <laughs> Be careful who you put in charge. <laughs> you have to deal with them. Um, so getting to more present tense. So, uh, of course, uh, there's a lot of the economic news with the debt ceiling and the recession. And now the, the Democrats pulled out the little, oh, we don't need a debt ceiling card. And uh, I, I found it interesting. Ron Paul had uh, did a little write-up. And yeah, we have people that are just incalculably evil, who um, that uh, that obviously don't care about finances or economics. Oh, by the way, Hitler didn't either. We have a whole bunch of people who are on the left who who don't understand or don't care to understand economics, and of course they probably. They're very well aware that if they can uh, drive this country into bankruptcy, or default, or hyperinflation, that they can seize power even further, and they can destruct, you know, the remaining uh, productivity. And of course, that's maybe part of their goal. I mean, when I say part of their goal, I mean they they will kill the golden goose, and as long as they're protected in D.C. or Whatever their uh, stake and how much money and profit they're being making, making off of this by being, being the people that they are, instead of being uh, even remotely responsible for anything that they do. Um, yeah. so they introduced that little they introduced to eliminate the uh, it, it's something that they've had on the, on the books. by the way, I looked up the, the bill. They've been pushing this since 2021. During uh, during the last time we approached the the debt ceiling, as they were you know, trying to spend us into oblivion further. Um, just the inconsistencies, and, and and this is this ties back to the uh, the the rise of uh, the Nazi uh, regime. Uh, the act, the actuality that uh, people uh, have having inability. To understand that there's going to be sacrifice. Or don't want to sacrifice. Everybody becomes incredibly selfish. And doesn't understand that you have to put the country... You have to put something ahead of yourself. To the point where, yeah, you're going to have to tighten your belt. You are going to have to take less. We're all going to have to do that. Not because we should have had to do... not, Not because... We shouldn't continue to try to be productive and actually get ourselves out of it, but until your productivity is greater than your, your debt spending, and that means cutting military spending, that means cutting social programs, that means being able to have some uh, austerity. But here, here's the thing, this is even more common sense. We have a huge federal government that does nothing. It does nothing practical. It's redundant. It's overlapping. We have so many intelligence agencies that are spying on us. And their whole agenda is to to make work for themselves so that they have somebody to chase down and cause trouble with. That's one thing. Defense. We spend $800 billion. We spend eight times as much money as the Russians do on, on their defense. And yet they're fighting us to a standstill, I guess you could say, out in Ukraine. And then, of course, China, who's probably at this point spending about two to three hundred billion. But after Russia and China, all the rest of the countries, you could probably add up about the next 10 to 15 countries before you get to U.S. spending. Point is, is, uh, we can't continue to be the world's police. It just is. I know the neocons don't want to hear that because the neocons are assholes. But, uh, that's, that's been going on for decades now. They have a complete refusal and a complete misunderstanding of actual defense strategy. They think that they're going to stop all these little escalations around the world. They can't. But they—they they really all they're doing is just using the military to guard their money hustles. That's it. They do it so that they can create these massive uh, pits of corruption and money laundering schemes and, and use their defense contractors that they can bet on their stocks uh, so that they can benefit themselves to whatever benefit that is, which is substantial, obviously. And, then, and now it goes both ways. It, doesn't, it isn't just the neocons and neolibs and everybody else in between out of Washington. It's, it's, they're just stealing from the American people. And we're, our military isn't even doing what it's supposed to be capable of, nor moreover, it's not you know our, uh, our borders are porous and we're not protecting ourselves, which is just you know beyond comprehension in my, my mind that's the reason why I've written about it so much I recently uh, and I'm not saying it's the most um, it's the most in-depth track, but it was it was written the way. I think it should be to be presented to people who have a short attention span under 100 pages focused to certain topics hit the highlights of the problem and and then get to some kind of uh, what I think are some alternative solutions or certainly towards that end so we have this huge debt crisis that keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger we have neither side and we have people who will not bow to who will not cut through who will not sacrifice because they get in a position and they're afraid about being labeled and, and they're afraid they're they're just like the nazis they're just like actually not on the nazis but i mean they're taught like the german government was in the 1930s they're they're too self-interested just like i find out you know like Th- the fritz tyson who was one of uh, Hitler's biggest backers his name is mentioned over and over again and of course if you know of Tyson Krupp and and the whole uh, German and, and there's a whole there's a whole bunch of history about German um, intrigues and in finance and uh, industry that uh, IG Farben and and whatnot that can be traced down but when you have these big industrialists and Financiers and and these people who are just they're they're just evil. I mean, it's just what it boils down to. They're just flat out evil. They they have no loyalty to anything but them to their own bank account. Um, that's why you know that's why globalism is such an evil uh, concept because they want no borders, no they want no boundaries whatsoever. Plus, they want now total tech surveillance. Total complete capital flows to whatever whims that they pick, which will change always, by the way. They make it well, it's easy to make decisions when you know that you can pre uh, front run your position on what you're going to uh, eventually introduce a policy. That way, you'll always benefit. And of course, if you have the ability to move capital that way, you know, just by a snap of your fingers, say. Well, I've decided we've gotten what we can get out of this particular industry. Let's uh, move all our capital out of that industry into something else. So they hijack positioning. They leave whoever doesn't know about it high and dry. Any other ancillary businesses who may have decided, okay, I'm going to go with the flow. So it's always the front runners who are making all this money. They make ninety percent or ninety five percent of the profits up the, up front off of all of us. Off of any interest. And then when they abandon the project. Of course. Because they'll abandon it. Before it can actually have any impact. That's beneficial to anything else. If, if it had any at all. Just say that. they go ahead and move to the next sector. And they'll rotate out of that one. And they leave. And then the capital flows into a different thing. And it, it's just disgusting. It's not like these people have any. They, 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 they literally drive the entire world crazy. And they need to be stopped to be to be blunt about it. I hate to say that there needs to be restrictions on this because I'm a I am a free enterprise. I am not a capitalist or a, obviously damn not a communist. But I I don't believe that people should just immorally just do whatever the fuck they want. And there's plenty of uh, probably data out there. You probably if we actually dug into it. The, the trillions of dollars that move around and the derivatives that move around that people are betting on and making, they've turned this into one massive casino and it only benefits the people who are at the most extremes of either, you know, we'll just say rapacious capitalism or uh, totalitarian <laughs> ideas tied to communism where they don't want anybody else to have any property and they want everybody else to be poor it's kind of in the same boat. The they, two sides of the same coin. They're not, they, they, this isn't no longer, you know, that's where you get the, the, the rise of, or the, or right now we have the congealing of this private partnership where government squeezes out all private enterprise and allow, doesn't allow, uh, you know, they crowd out investments and they only pick winners or so they only, well, they only pick the people they want to, want to be winners of course and they also pick very the government's horrible at picking anything at all because uh, they have people who may think that they have very good uh, backgrounds and education but they shouldn't be they, they very have very limited understanding of a lot of industries that they think they are so intelligent about but of course when you have the government uh, fiscal system and the ability to print your own money and by that I mean they they have the access to uh, the federal all the central banks are causing all these problems, which is why central banking is such a terrible system. And until you have, and the only reason why people like it is because those who have benefited the most from it have the biggest platforms and can talk to the media and get get their get their point across, and they they sell it to all the other people who are oblivious to the fact that you know, creation of, they see creation of wealth. Well, I mean, if you, if you have, if you're the first, uh, let's just say, if you're right next to the printer when the money's coming out and you have the ability to buy things first, yeah, you're going to be able to do whatever the hell you want. I mean, obviously, you get that $100, it, it, let's just say it's $100, and you get it right as it comes out the printer or, you, or you could just add more zeros to that. Say it's a hundred million dollars. Well, guess guess what? You get to go out and immediately buy buy into the market at its lowest point and get the most benefit of buying whatever it is that you're trying to buy. But uh, me and you, the normie, who <laughs> when that money filters through, you could call it trickle down. We'll call it uh, trickle. You know, trickle through inflation. By time whatever it is that we're going to be t- attaching that money to, say you get a thousand dollars, well that thousand dollars is, is devalued now so substantially that all we're doing is being taxed. That we're being taxed off that print, off that, uh, off the the printing of money. So yes, I mean depending upon where you are in the food chain. You're going to have a substantial viewpoint based upon where you landed. If you start at the beginning, you're obviously going to love central banks. You're going to love the ability to be that close. And of course, people close to government love it because people close to government are, are notoriously uh, uh, self-serving and self-absorbed to, to the degree now that you know you don't even have to really look for evidence of that. It, it just it's there. They, they have no concept of what it's like for the rest of... Uh, they don't understand private sector because most of them have never even done a job in the private sector. They spent their entire life attached to government, so they have no concept of what it is. Or, uh, or they base it upon what they're, they're feeling at 16 years old or 18 years old when they're poor, like all the rest of us are, and they think that was totally unfair. Well, I'm not saying that it was uh, <laughs> heaven on earth. I mean... But then again, you're usually working for if you were working in a private sector at that age, you were working for somebody who wasn't making substantially that much substantially more than you were unless of course they were getting huge government contracts so if they had to get their money the the really private sector way without any government support, you should' be thankful that you even had a job but so there's. You know, this is just me, random thoughts. But this happened in Germany. This is what happened at the during the Weimar Republic. Obviously, you had massive inflation at the early outset of it. Uh, they were dealing with their... Uh, they had a, a hidden army within an army. Uh, when I say army, their army took over inside uh, there for a while in terms of their, they had their thuggish roots. And then you had the S. The SS or the SA, I actually was what it was called then. I'm not going to pretend to know German because I couldn't. I can't remember all the German that I had to kind of <laughs> try to work my muddle my way through in this uh, particular tract. But um, needless to say, there was there were lots of intrigues. There were lots of people who were just solely invested in themselves. They didn't think about the country. Uh, there was a substantial industrialist class and and petty you know petty i'll call them petty kings or petty monarchs or people who 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 just were interested in themselves and of course they couldn't stand the labor unions they couldn't stand the trade unions they couldn't stand whatever and you had all these various factions of parties that uh, uh couldn't align to anything remotely uh stable so of course, that's the reason why somebody like a Hitler who was a no account evil you know racist thug could uh, rise in that kind of stew you know once they destroyed the middle class, the middle class just gave up, and then of course, anybody who comes along and says says that they can they're going to change their uh change their aspects immediately becomes popular becomes obsessively popular. And of course, he he used the he continued to divide the nation. Of course, in the same the same is kind of going on here for the United States. You know, uh, there was uh, somebody who just did a recent little um, analysis based upon extremism or polarization. I guess you could say it was not so much extremism as polarization. And yeah, we are becoming a very polarized country. You can see in the polls. You can see it in the the way uh, certain groups are. Highly polarized, of course, by either by profession or or situation, or they're you know single white women, or you know now like seventy percent uh, tied to this wokeism. They'll buy anything they give them. I hate to. They're so they're so blindly and deluded uh, into believing this stuff, and they'll push it. They don't even know where it's coming from. Then they've. Obviously, just like everything else, this has been going on for a long time, especially in the, in that particular uh, section of uh, society who who have been sold lies from the government and uh, intelligence agencies and a whole host of things that, that's been going back since the 60s. And, of course, these people are just lonely and sad. So uh, they're looking for anybody. That they married the government a long time ago, and they don't even know it. Um, they married, they married them, they married, uh, they married the, the, the fed printer. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's amazing that we're in this position and they're not the only group. I mean, there's people, like I said, there's people you can use the other extreme with the, the people on the right that are, that are probably just, just gnashing their teeth and, and, uh, you know, looking for. Uh, in trouble, which, you know, uh, given the situation, given the way the world is, of course, I'm not suggesting that's what needs to happen, but uh, when you destruct the middle class, which COVID did, it was an intentional assault on our U- U.S., uh, um, on what was left <laughs> of our economy and destructed it. And pitted us against each other. And and all the politicians who did this are responsible for this. Every one of them. Everybody who made a decision that enforced lockdowns and and uh, decided non-essential and essential, who created this, this whole polarization, it's their fault. And whether they did it because of their, you know, obviously their animosity towards Trump or... They were running out of crises to throw at everybody, so they, you know, I. It's interesting. I found out a little nugget of information, and I know this is a long way into this broadcast. So, and when I say nugget of information, it was it was September twelfth of twenty nineteen that the Chinese decided to turn off their database regarding uh, viruses. Just the date stuck out. Because a week later, Trump signed a uh, vaccine, uh, an executive order tied to influenza vaccination, and I'm always curious as to uh, the linkages because it involved the NIH and the FDA and a whole host of things. I'm wondering who the people were in China who may have uh, sent the sent the go, the go signal there. Um, I'm just, you know, obviously it's a conspiracy, but uh, you know. There is a conspiracy going on, but I'm just curious because there were a whole host of other things. Obviously, there was a financial uh, impact. There was uh, the Jackson Hole meeting and the BlackRock uh, going direct, and BlackRock magically gets uh, access to the Fed window and and uh, out of the CARES Act in March of 2020. Just a lot of uh, you know rapidity of uh, events that tie together event 201 philanthropy open philanthropy which is tied to effective altruism which is tied back to sam bankman fried just a lot of uh there's so much there's just so much and i know i'm only glossing through about 10 percent of it Um, but when you start looking at all the dots and looking at all these people Who've become players or come on for what we'll call a limited hangout and uh, address some of this stuff you start to wonder uh, yeah we're all being played and of course you know we know that they want to destruct this country uh the, the, they they as in you know the very richest, the most powerful, the people behind the scenes, behind the World Economic Forum and China. Obviously, China definitely wants to destruct us because, you know, they want to rise out of our ashes. So, and they're, give, they're being given all the effort and benefits. And uh, I'll probably end it here. So it was interesting at the World Economic Forum, you had John Kerry talking about what he needs. And he says, money, 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 money. Anytime anybody who has uh, answered everything is money, 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 you know that person is a, not only an evil fraud, but they have such a enormous agenda and they are totally compromised to anything that they should never be listened to. Because uh, I've never worked in any position and in my mediocre career of industrial engineering, and I'll say it as such, but nevertheless... I never could go to my boss and say, hey, I just need more money. Because <laughs> if I did that, he would say, you, not only do you have to justify it through a you know return on investment in a certain amount of time, and it was always under a year because, uh, yeah, uh, because, of course, it was a labor. You have to show savings. You'd have to show uh, improvement. You have to show a legitimate reason for any capital expenditure. Everything was just expense, usually. Uh, And then capital projects were difficult to get approved and and et cetera, et cetera. There's a process. So this a-hole, of course, being a government, uh, 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 just government evil, they they don't have any, they, they, they know he isn't stupid. He's a billionaire, by the way, too. So from his standpoint, everything is just, you know, oh, just throw money at it. I mean, just can you imagine how this person talks to people and how he's, He's lived his entire life and he inherited, uh, was it Teresa Hines, Carrie uh, or Teresa Hines, uh, wealth and fortune. These people don't have any, they, they don't know understand anything about anything. And these are the, these are your, these are the type of people who wreck everything in the world and they always have been. I, I, and I, 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 always knew that was partly the case. I mean, just going back, but, uh, I mean, these people are existential threats to humanity, I mean, just because they don't understand, they, they, they don't understand the way anybody else is or lives, and of course they play on the, the lowest common denominator, and uh, just, like, uh, just like it happened in the, in the, the world of uh, Germany in the 19, late 1920s and into 1930s, it was, yeah, they got played by the lowest kind, con- and 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 not very. And so, when people sit there and say, you know, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want a Rhodes Scholar running our country, but I want somebody who's practical enough and actually goes through a logical process and explains their thinking. Then I want some douche nozzle or some somebody that the media obviously picks, which was what's been going on for. Well, forever, I guess you could say. Yeah. Whoever the media picks, you should be picking otherwise. So I'm going to leave it there for now. I've rambled on for 38 minutes. So God bless the United States of America, and God save the world.